Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is good and He's worthy of our affection. Amen. Well, that being said, we're going to continue this very important and appropriate series because all of us have probably already lived long enough to face disappointments. The issue then that you and I have is whether we're going to deal with it. Disappointments are going to come, but are you and I going to deal with the disappointments? I want to read from Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1 up front today. From the prophet Isaiah, a major prophet, not because he was more important than the minor prophets, major just in the sense that God used Isaiah to declare more of the words of God on earth in his ministry than some of the minor prophets. Okay, In Isaiah 61, you have this, of course, prophetic declaration that God says through the prophet that we know we find fulfillment in Jesus Christ, in his ministry, in his finished work and exaltation and ascension. And then now it is applicable to you and I in the new covenant. Verse 1, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach. I could stop right there. Because one of the things I found when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and transitioned out of mainline denomination, experience into spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal, all kinds of different label part of Christendom. As I began to, after years of being in that environment realized that many are anointed and have the Spirit of the Lord upon them, but many haven't been taught what the purpose of the anointing is. The anointing's not for self. It's not for self-exaltation. It's not to make us look good so that we can look good. Notice the Spirit of the Lord uh, God is upon me because... That speaks to the purpose of the anointing. The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I want to preach a message today titled Rooted Hope. Would you say that with me? Rooted Hope. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You have disarmed all principalities and powers and demons. You made a public spectacle over them, triumphing 
over them in and through the cross of Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would apply that victory to our lives and circumstances and situations today. That Jesus, according to your word and your promise, you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, that God would be glorified and he alone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Normally, I dictionary.com it. You know that if you've been around here, but they were having some trouble with their web, I guess, this week. I couldn't get it to work. So we Webstered it this week. And when I Webstered the word disappointed, here's what Webster's Dictionary says for disappointed. It means to be defeated in expectation or hope. To be defeated in your expectation and to be defeated in your hope. For some of you, this speaks right to the season you're in. For some of you, this speaks to seasons that you were in in the past and yet those past seasons are still affecting you today. For some of us, it prepares us for the journey called life where disappointments will happen. There will be moments where we feel and experience a sense of having our expectations and what we expected shattered and we feel defeated in our expectation. We feel defeated in our hope. We feel like that our best days maybe are behind us and we don't have a confident expectation for a positive hope in our future. But this brings us to our main text. Notice our main text says that the Spirit of the Lord God, of course, was upon Jesus Christ, would be upon the Messiah for this purpose. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, good tidings to the poor. And of course, this is also poor in spirit. How do we know that? Because Jesus, when he began to, on the Sermon of the Mount, the longest sermon of his that we have recorded in the Gospels, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's physical poverty, but it's also poor in spirit. Good tidings to the poor. And then watch these words, to console those who mourn in Zion. Now this is important. You might not realize that Zion represents the city of God. The place where God's favor rested. The place where God constantly kept as the apple of his eye. The place for God's people. And notice in Zion, there are people who still mourn. This is important if you're new in the faith. If you've not learned all of the ways of God and God's divine design yet, you need to understand that even as a follower of Jesus Christ and a child of God and someone that's in the kingdom of God and a part of the church of Jesus Christ, there's still going to be moments where we experience life and disappointment and circumstance where there's mourning. Notice there's mourning in Zion. It's okay to mourn in Zion. It's okay that you and I at times experience mourning, even as sons and daughters of God. But notice why it's good tidings. Because though you are mourning and though there's mourning in Zion and though you are brokenhearted, the Spirit of the Lord would be upon the Messiah to do what? To heal, to console, to comfort. 
The good tidings is that through the Messiah, the kingdom of God would be at hand. One of the ways I like to help us understand that is the kingdom of God now is as near as your hand is to your body. That now the hand of God, the ability of God, the will of God is as close to you as your hand is to your body. Jesus has called, caused the kingdom of God to come near. That where you've been mourning, now you can be comforted. That where you had your expectations and hopes dashed, they can now blossom again in Christ. That where you've been brokenhearted, your heart and emotions can be healed. Listen, the first major point you need to hear today is Jesus is not intimidated nor scared of our brokenness. Jesus is not intimidated nor scared of your brokenness, of your pain, of your hurt, of your disappointments. Listen to me. He was sent to it. God the Father sent Jesus Christ like an arrow right to the places where we have been broken in our heart where our expectations have been shattered, where we are mourning, where we are hurting. So if the Father sent Jesus to our brokenness and to our messiness, why are you seeking to keep Jesus from your brokenness? If the Father sent Jesus in for our brokenness, for our pain, for our hurting, then why are you trying to keep Jesus from what He was sent to? Why are you strengthening yourself in the wrong way of trying to put up masks or put up walls or try to hide from Jesus where you're hurting, where you're disappointed, where your disappointment has turned to anger? where your disappointment has led to frustration. There's no need to hide it from Him. He was sent to it, and He was provided for it. Notice in our main text in Isaiah 61, it mentions to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. When you think about ashes, ashes or what once was, is no longer. When you think about as we begin to transition into fall, you think about fire pits, and you think about, I'm not a s'mores guy, but maybe you're a s'mores person. I mean, I don't judge you, and I'll celebrate you eating a s'more, I just don't enjoy them. <laughs> or you think about having that first fire, if you, in a fireplace, if you have a fireplace. When you burn wood, it becomes ashes. The ashes represent what once was, but no longer is. And notice in Isaiah 61, it says that there's times in our life that ashes are left. Something is no longer in the state that it previously was. For some of you, it might be friendships. That friendships, our friendship was a, in a current state, but now that friendship is like ashes. 
It's no longer in the state that it was. For some of you, maybe it's relationships that now that you surrendered to Jesus or got serious with Jesus, you know, relationships with your boyfriend or girlfriend have ceased. You've cut it off. Ashes. For some of you, maybe it's a career. That where you thought you were on your career path, not just a job, but an actual career, something to to give your lifetime more to, that now you look at a career that you thought was being built and what once was, now it is just a picture of ash. For some of you, maybe it's a marriage. A marriage that once was no longer is, and it's ashes. For some of you, maybe it's finances. And the time of inflation and the time of difficulties of figuring out the economy and and interest rates and all that's happening and shifting in the nations. Maybe for you now, your area of finances is like ashes. What once was strong, what once was in your finances is ashes. For some of you, maybe it's open doors. For some of you, maybe you felt so excited, so vigorated that there was just open doors all around you, that that life ahead of you was just filled with opportunities and open doors, and now what once was appears to be ashes. And it's led to disappointment in your life. It's led to what is the definition of disappointed. It's led to you being defeated when it comes to the area of your expectation. That you have been mourning so long. You have been staring and looking at ashes so long. You have been hurting and been brokenhearted so long that now it is sought to form your expectation of your future and your tomorrow. You're defeated in your hope. You begin to talk and say that my best days are behind me. The best encounters I had with God are behind me. The best my relationship ever be is behind me. The best finances I ever have will behind me. The best time of life and opportunity is behind me. And you're here and you're disappointed and you're being formed into defeat in your expectation or hope. Notice what it can lead to. Because Isaiah 61 then says, To give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Someone say spirit. This is what, if you've been in growth phases, you know. If not, it's a great opportunity you have to get in growth phases. But in transformation phase, we teach from Dr. Henry Malone's perspective of a balanced spiritual warfare. And that there are 14 root demon spirit scripture names. You remember one when Paul wrote to Timothy? He didn't say, hey, you're just experiencing an emotion called fear. Now fear affects the emotion. At times, fear can be an emotion. But he tells Timothy, you're dealing with a spirit of fear. It's a demon that is intimidating you and trying to capture and enslave you to fear. Well, here, it says a spirit of heaviness. This is a demon spirit that tries to, once we have been brokenhearted, once... We are mourning. Once we face difficulties, a demon spirit comes and tries to keep us locked into defeat when it comes to our expectation and our hope for a better tomorrow, a better experience in God and in the land of the living. This is a spirit that 
causes depression. Oftentimes you get in this enlightened world, so enlightened, look around how great enlightenment's le- le- led to in our world. But in an enlightened world, people say, oh, but we can measure. It's actually physical chemistry going on. Listen to me, demons can affect chemistry in the brain. Demon caused the woman to bleed for 18 years. Yet when she heard about Jesus, a man that was healing all who came to him, didn't turn anyone away that came to him, forgave all that came to him and asked for forgiveness, healed all who came to him, she reached out and touched him and instantly what that demon had caused in her physical body was healed by our King Jesus, the one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Preachers, weakened by their own ambitions, might try to change him. Movements that care more about money might try to change him. Governments that ain't actually governments because they're not operating under the authority of God who created government, but they're a false display, can't change him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. But a spirit of heaviness, a demon that begins to try to characterize, listen, your attitude and disposition towards life. This is why when you, at times, if you've ever faced depression, you don't want to get out of bed. Why? Well, why would I get out of bed when I have been defeated in my expectation that my experience can be different? I hated that movie. What movie? Groundhog Day. I hated that movie. I can't remember if I paid for it, though. That would maybe make me feel better if someone else paid for it. But I hated that movie. Movies where day after day stuff goes wrong. Why do you want to pay and go torment yourself with a movie like that? I hated Groundhog Day. Oh, but some of us, it's not a movie. It's our life. We're broken hearted day after day. We're hurting day after day. We're defeated in our expectation and hope, and it doesn't motivate you to want to face the day, to get out of bed. But the good news is, is notice the resulting working of what the Spirit of God can do for us today. Because of the Messiah, who is Jesus, and that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon him, look at the result. It says this at the end that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Wow. You say, but Pastor Chad, I've fallen down. You say, Pastor Chad, you don't know how long I've been held down and kept down. You say, Pastor Chad, you don't know how long I've been struck down by circumstances, by those closest to me. Oh, but watch this video. I believe they got a video. Hey, friends, Pastor Chad here. In my backyard, you see here one of the oak trees that just about four or five weeks ago I cut down right here with this long axe. I want to show you something, though. If you'll begin to see... that where I have cut the trees down, look at the growth already happening. Look at this one. 
coming out of the stump, the growth, since it's been cut down. What does that mean for you and I? Let's talk about it. See, maybe you've been cut down, but a stump still remains. Maybe you've been struck down and cut down, but a root still remains. Maybe there's been mourning and a season of mourning and a sense of defeat in your expectation, but there's still a source for the oil of joy. There's still some sap in the root. Maybe you have had a heavy season and been heavy, but there's still a root of praise. There's still a reason to praise. Think of those oak trees. See, God designed those oak trees to grow. The only reason they stopped growing is because someone resembling me took a long axe and went and cut them down. But God designed them to grow. And you see it, it's not, it's been four or five weeks. And because I've not revisited them now and cut them down or struck them down, they're doing what God designed them to do. They're growing again. They are blossoming again, even after being cut down. But as long as a stump remains in an oak tree, it will blossom, it, life and growth will spring forth, and it will start growing again. Likewise for you, God designed for you to grow in Christ. God designed for you to grow in Christ. Regardless of how you've been brokenhearted, regardless of how circumstances in life have struck you down, have cut you down, you are designed by God in Jesus Christ to grow. For some of you, you have grown up or been in long seasons of life in a context of constant cutting you down, of people pulling you down, of people putting you down. And for you, the wisdom of God begins to inform you that it's okay and it's God's way to get healthy boundaries. That you don't have to stay in context where everybody's got an axe out against you that seeks to constantly cut you down and keep you down and hold you down. But you can grow in God and Christ to learn healthy boundaries, to learn how to have hard conversations, to learn how to speak the truth in grace and love, to learn how to deal, listen, with what's happening on the outside of you. On the outside of you. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, you hear me refer constantly to this congregation and growing church, provide great resources to help us learn the biblical ways of start growing in healthy boundaries and learning and communicating in difficult and hard conversations and learn how to deal with what's happening on the outside of us. Now, let me say, when you're being challenged and exhorted, to grow and change, that's not a context that's putting you down. All right? So if you're out there in the lobby and you're on your, normally we had, sometimes we have big donuts, but today I think they were like donut hoes. 
But if you're on your 10th donut hole and someone comes and challenges you and says, you know what? You know, you're not as young as those young bucks in the kids ministry anymore. You're not going to be able to get away at 10 and 11 donut holes with the current habits in your life. You're not exercising. You got a job where you're sitting nonstop. You know, your, your body's not getting younger and your body is the temple of God. You want to honor God with your body. You want to feel better. That's not, listen, that's not people cutting you down. That's people challenging you to grow, right? To get healthy. But there are contexts, listen, where people ain't actually wanting your growth. They're just wanting to cut you down and keep you down so that they can feel better about themselves. And you got to learn at times what Jesus told his disciples with some religious context that just constantly, he said, let the blind lead the blind. Walk away. You got to remove yourself from some context. This is like what Paul said when he talked about his ministry. Paul said, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Paul wasn't cutting himself down. Paul wasn't striking himself down. But wherever he went and he began to proclaim, it's Christ crucified. To the religious Jews, they despised it. Because he preached Christ crucified and not all the works of the law. All that Moses, you know, said. He said, no, Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. And the Greeks said, no, that's foolishness. Give us seven steps to victory. He said, no, no, Christ crucified is both the power of God unto salvation and the wisdom of God for our life and for our needs. See, Paul was saying we're struck down but not destroyed because God has provided a root for me. Christ Jesus, His righteousness, His power, His salvation for me. Now, when you think about that video that we saw there and me not going back to those stumps since I cut the tree down, as long as I hadn't been back to them and cut them down again, they've been growing. So why then, and here's the main question of the day for us. This is the whole crux for us today. Why might you and I, after removing ourselves from some bad context and dealing with some damaging axes on the outside of us, still discover we are not growing? Why, after some of you have made the hard choices in Christ and the wise choices to remove yourself out of context that were just cutting you down. Why are you not like those trees growing? Let me answer it this way. Trees don't think and trees don't speak. Trees do not have a soul like you and I. Listen, trees just do what God designed them to do. They don't get hung up on what has happened. When I went back and filmed that video, and thanks to Alexa, she did well. Tell her. When I went back to those stumps, they didn't cuss me. 
They didn't talk about me. They didn't talk to me. They didn't say, I remember you. They didn't start screaming to the other oak trees, woe is me. They just had been doing what they were designed to do. They've just been growing. They don't think negative thoughts. They don't talk themselves out of what God has created them for. What God has designed them for. They don't keep tearing themselves down. So the answer to the question of why might you and I, after removing ourselves from some bad context and dealing with some damaging axes on the outside of us, still discover we're not growing? Listen. But those trees were growing is because they don't cut themselves down. And for some of you, the reason you're not growing is because you have a choice, you have a mouth, you have thoughts, and you keep cutting yourself down. And guess who you live with more than anyone else? Yourself and your own thoughts. Your own words. See, we as humans are different in that way than the trees. God has given you and I a choice. It's what's called the ability to respond. That's why truth and, and God and the way He's organized the world is all humans have responsibility. God's given us the ability to respond. God has created us. God has created me. God has created you to have a soul, to have mind, will, and emotions. And our soul and our self can get in the way of what God has created us for in Christ Jesus. You can get in the way of what God's designed for you. What God's plan is for you to grow in Christ. See, listen, so often we have not just an axe to grind with others, but so often people live with an axe to grind with themselves. We're disappointed in ourselves. We're disappointed in what we did. We're disappointed in what we've done. We're disappointed that we struggle with that still. We are disappointed that we ever struggled with it. We're disappointed where we're, where we're at in life. We're disappointed in the season we find ourselves when we compare ourselves among others, which is not wise, by the way. And we just keep cutting ourselves down. Paul Another way said, you are choosing to live under the wrath of the law. You're living under these self-made expectations or worldly expectations or wrong religious expectations or the expectations of others that only have an axe to grind who are not for you in your growth but just want to hold you down. And living under that turns you inward wrathful towards yourself. For some of you, it's with your tongue. I hear you. I hear it. Those closest to you hear it. People, time hear it. You're constantly, I'm a failure. 
I'm a horrible person. I will always be an addict. I'm stupid. You walk around with an axe cutting yourself down. You turn your own tongue into an axe of wrath and self-hatred. You keep cutting yourself down. For some of you, it's your thoughts. You say, sure, God loves people, just not me. Sure, Jesus was sent to those that are mourning and those that are brokenhearted, but just not me. Sure, God wants others to grow and others to be empowered to succeed in His will and purpose for them, but just not me. God will bless anyone else but me. Why would God care for me? I'm such a loser. Listen to me. Put the axe down. Stop cutting yourself down. Because God has designed for you in Christ to grow and blossom. God sent Jesus to you to heal the broken places, the broken mess. God has sent Jesus to you to heal where you're mourning that's caused you to be defeated in your expectation and your hope. How God can use you what you can become in Christ. Listen to me. God knew and God knows what we are in and by ourselves. God knows in and by ourselves we are a loser. God knows humanity in and by ourselves have all went astray. God knows humanity on their own could never please Him. That's why He sent Jesus to our brokenness. He sent Jesus to our messiness. He sent Jesus to where we've been cut down or we've been hurt. It's why He sent the Son. Listen to me. If you have received Christ, then you are rooted in Christ. And the person you used to be has already been struck down and cut down and destroyed at the root by God's mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I believe they have it. Paul says, therefore, if anyone, and anyone means you, anyone means me, if anyone is in Christ. Watch this. He or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Who you were, you're no longer that person if you're in Christ. You're now a new type of human. So new that Paul says a new creation. And you go look in the Greek, it means a type of human that never existed before. Why? Because you now are one that is in Christ. You have been born again. You have been regenerated by the Word of God. And now you're rooted in Christ. Watch this. And Christ is rooted in you. So much that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.17 that he who's married and joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You're now in Christ and Christ is now in you. See, this is what the gospel does. God had been silent for over 400 years. That's what's called the silent years. If you've ever wondered why Catholic Bibles have books in it that we as Protestants don't have is because those books happened in what is called the silent years when God was no longer speaking. 
And he closes the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, saying, I'm going to send one to cry out in the wilderness. He's going to turn the hearts to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And 400 plus years later, uh, here comes John the Baptist. And John the Baptist begins to cry out in the wilderness. And guess what he says? Dr. Luke recorded it. Luke 3, 9. He says, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Notice this, the axe ain't laid to the fruit and the limbs of the tree. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What he's saying is, when you get born again, when you respond correctly to the Messiah Jesus Christ, God's axe and the provision of the cross goes and changes who you were where you're no longer the same and you're no longer that person, but you become a new creation. Hallelujah. Glory to God, you become a new type of human. A person who is human but born again in union in spirit to Jesus Christ and now the Spirit of Christ lives within you. Hallelujah. Ye are a new creation. Ye are now one regenerated and now you are planted in the Lord and the Lord is planted in us. See, so as a follower of Jesus Christ, even though we're a new creation, even though we are now spiritually born of the heavenly Jerusalem, we're in Zion. As a follower of Jesus Christ, rooted in Him, here's what we do then when we experience disappointment. Are you ready? I want to leave us with three exhortations. The first thing we do as a follower of Jesus Christ who is rooted in Him when we experience disappointment, is first we acknowledge and say, I am the planting of the Lord. You have to very soon, when you start feeling disappointed, when you start feeling brokenhearted, when you find yourself in a season of mourning and grief, you have to first say, I am the planting of the Lord before your tongue starts cutting yourself down. You have to get your tongue and heart aligned to who you are and who God's made you regardless of what you're experiencing and facing. This is why the righteous live by faith. Meaning there's going to be at times contradicting evidence to who we are and to what God has for us. And we have to do like what Joshua and the Old Testament saints said. You gotta choose who you're gonna believe. You gotta choose what side you're on. You gotta choose the report you're gonna read every day and allow to be rehearsed in your mind. And we're going to be a people by the grace of God in this church that choose to believe the report of the Lord. And so you say, I am the planting of the Lord. I am a child of God through Jesus Christ, and God saved me that He may be glorified in and through me. Because that reminds you of the root. And you might have been struck down by a person. You might have been struck down by a corporation. You might have been struck down by a circumstance. But you remind yourself, I'm still rooted in the Christ. And just like those oak trees in my yard... When you're rooted in Christ, in Christ you were designed to grow. And you got to start reminding yourself, I might look small now and I might look weak now and I might not look like more than a conqueror now and I might not look victorious now and I might not look like I got the oil of joy upon my face and in my heart, but praise God, I'm rooted in Christ. 
I'm still connected to Him who's got the life. I'm still connected to Him who's the overcomer. I'm still the planting of the Lord. This season doesn't change that I'm a son and daughter of God. This doesn't change the fact that God has planted me in His new humanity. And then here's what you start saying based on different things. You You say, Christ is given to me. The root of Jesus Christ is in me to give me beauty for these ashes. And you know what I happen to? And this might excite some of you. It'll make the devil real mad and sad. Because he'll realize, oh no, they're moving from being moved by what they're feeling and seeing to realize they're rooted in the unseen eternal God that can move heaven and earth and circumstances and men and women for Him to be glorified in and through us. You say, listen, through Christ in me, I can build again. See, you got to understand, the difference between false ministers and then the difference between the false prophets of the world is the false prophets of the world is all self-help. It's you, 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 you. No need for God, no need for salvation. It's, you know, you. And then false ministers get wrong. Some, they focus only on who you used to be. Oh, you're just a sinner. You're just a worm. You're so horrible. Oh, that's who we used to be. But God sent Jesus to make us a new creation. Now, we exist in Him. And He is in us. So now it's through Christ I can build again. I can't build on my own, but through Christ I can build again. Christ is given to me. Christ is in me. Watch this. To give me the oil of joy for my morning. Christ is in me to give me. That's what the prophet said the Messiah would do. You don't have to earn it. Christ isn't in you because you earned Him. He's in you because the Father sent Him to you and you received Him. And now He's in you so you can say through Christ in me, I can have joy again. You can say Christ is given to me and Christ is in me so that I can put on the garment of praise and put off the spirit of heaviness. You can say because of Christ and through Christ, I can put on praise again. I don't have to wait until I'm a full-grown oak tree. I can praise right now that I'm rooted in Christ and Christ is rooted in me. Paul says in Philippians 1 and 11, he says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness... Watch this, which are what? By Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is Paul saying the exact same thing that the new, the old covenant was teaching and prophesying that God would do. Notice how the fruit comes though. It's not being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Chad's intellect, strength, and ability. I don't know. It's being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. So there's times in life that you and I might go through things because we were building on our own intellect and ability and didn't realize it, and God allowed a circumstance to cut us down. 
But we're still rooted in Christ. And now we shift from trusting in ourselves to trusting in Christ who's in us to cause that thing to blossom again, but now it's blossoming by our trust and the ability of Christ in us. It's the fruits of righteousness. Secondly, what we do as believers when we face disappointment is we root desired fruit and the promises found in the root, Jesus. See, some of us, the reason we're in the season we're in is because we, as humans, seek to fill in gaps that we don't know. So we don't know what our future holds. So we begin to make up in our mind expectations of the future we want. We all naturally do that at times. But what if things that I've made up and hoped for about my future is not what God has for me? Unmet expectations leads to a type of mourning and disappointment. So when we're disappointed, listen, we don't give up having hope and expectation. We go to find the promises that are found in the root were rooted in Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because Paul said the promises in the root, Jesus, are yes and amen for your life. Everything I hope for and made up in my own mind is not guaranteed by God. Every way I pictured my future is not guaranteed by God. Every way I pictured this church, there's people that I pictured still would be here. That's not here. But God never promised. I can't find a scripture that says that person's name and says they'll always be a dwelling place church. Listen, this is normal. It's not wrong. It's what we do. But we don't want a spirit of heaviness to then begin to form within us fixed negative outlook of our future. So what you have to do is if you have a desire for certain fruit, certain things in your future, you have to root that desire in the promise that you can find in Scripture. And this is important because it's that old serenity type prayer of releasing the things that we can't guarantee would be fruit in our future, but putting confidence and trust in what is guaranteed about our future because it's a promise in the root that yes and amen. If you live with a sense that you can't affect anything about your life, it will paralyze you. It will demobilize you. And so when you feel like that, you go to the promises that are yes and amen. And now you can have expectation and hope that that fruit will be in your future. Why? Because the fruit you're expecting is found promised in the root. Just like that oak tree. God designed it. Does it matter? It's cut down. It was already designed. It's already in the promise of God for it. As long as a root is left, you'll blossom again. You'll grow again. You'll become strong again. You'll become fortified again. You'll be able to stand strong when the storm and the wind comes through here again. And it's the same for you and I in Christ. For the third thing, I want us to look at Ephesians 6.14. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Here it is, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. 
The third thing we do as followers of Jesus Christ, though we're a new creation and we might be mourning still in Zion, is thirdly, we have a breastplate to put on. We have a breastplate to put on. Notice where the, where this is. Breastplate covers your heart. When we have a broken heart, when we have a heart that expectations and desires we have seem to be lost and we're mourning, listen, we've been provided a breastplate to put over that heart. Why? Because if we don't protect our heart in the time of mourning, in the time of, of weeping, in the time of brokenness, then the spirit of heaviness will try to bind us with depression and a loss of any hope of good expectation in our future. So part of the spiritual equipping that the Lord has provided for you and I is He's given us a breastplate of righteousness. And it goes over our heart. Because see, listen, Christ is our righteousness. And Christ was sent for our brokenness. So right in the midst of grief, right in the midst of sorrow, right in the midst of broken heart, we put over our heart, Christ is my righteousness and I'm rooted in Him and He's in me. And therefore, He is able to give me all of joy where there is sadness. He is able to heal. He's able to speak and give me His promises for my future. Righteousness is so important that we are exhorted to seek it first above all else. Matthew 6.33 Seek first His righteousness. Seek first Jesus who is our righteousness. When you're mourning, seek first Jesus. When you're brokenhearted, seek first Jesus. Righteousness is so important, the Holy Spirit was sent to convince and convict the world about it. Isaiah 11 and verse 1, the prophet says, come on band, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Jesus is the root that Isaiah was prophesying. And notice the root is also the banner. Jesus is the root and the banner that God the Father, the Creator, is waving over the nations, saying Jesus is the way to get right. Jesus is the way to come out of your sin and separation from me. The Father is waving Jesus as the banner. Whosoever will, come to Him. Repent. Change your mind how you're living, and where you're at, and put trust in the only name that can forgive and save Jesus Christ. See, banners in Scripture in the Old Testament represented victory. And God the Father is waving over the nations, and He's waving over your life, and He's waving over your situation, and He's waving over what you face. Jesus as the banner, saying, listen, I sent my Son... For where you're broken because of what you're facing. 
Jesus is the banner waving over you or the Father saying, I sent my Son to give you beauty for those ashes you're sitting in. I sent my Son Jesus, He's the banner waving over you right now, saying, I sent Him to give you. Comfort where you're mourning. See, Jesus is the banner. He's the victory. He's the way of victory. Because, listen, Jesus as our righteousness, you see that word right? Jesus also is the right to all you and I need from God the Father. See, some of you, you think, well, once I do this and once I do that, once it, then maybe God will meet me in my morning. Then maybe God will have me blossom again. Maybe then I can start growing again and get stronger again and experience some stability again and have, have healthier emotions again. And no, no, the Father is waving Jesus as the banner, as the way of victory. He says, no, no, believe the message of my Son. That it's not by your self-effort. It's not by your self-will. It's not by your running. God has designed and chosen to have mercy on you and I through Jesus Christ. He is the method and He is the way. And when God prophesied through Isaiah about the Messiah, that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon Him, it says to give. To give us those things where we're broken hearted. To give us those things where we're more. Listen, didn't say Jesus was given so you and I now can earn. No, no, no. Jesus was given to qualify us and to give us the right to what the Father desires for you and I. That's why you have to put, that's why it's a breastplate of righteousness over your heart because your heart will say, you deserve to stay struck down. Look what you've done. Did you say something, Casey? You deserve to stay defeated. You deserve not to have God's best. And God's waving Jesus hung between heaven and earth to the nation saying, no, 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 I sent my son to where you're hurting. I sent my son to where you're broken. I sent my son to where you're messed up. If you'll just believe and what I've done through the Son, I'll give you what you never could get on your own. It's on you about to do. See, Jesus, the root of Jesse, was struck down. He was crucified. He was plowed open by the whips of soldiers. He died and buried, but he was not destroyed. He was raised. He overcame being struck down by the government of his day and the religious false leaders of his day and the masses that are moved and manipulated by He was struck down by it, but he wasn't destroyed by it. He overcame. Now watch this. For you who are here today, that same Jesus, Christ Jesus, can become your root. He can become what you're rooted in. you'll repent and trust and 
ask Jesus to save you, be Lord of your life, He'll become your root. For those of you that are already received Christ and you're a child of God, listen, that same root who was struck down but not destroyed and who overcame sin, hell, and the grave, that same root is your root. That same root is what you're rooted in. You're rooted in His life. You're rooted in His overcoming life. Christ is your righteousness. Christ is your root. Christ is your right that you can believe again through the promises of God. You can dream again in the promises of God. You can thrive and grow again by the promises of God. You can have joy again where there's been mourning. You can have freedom from depression and oppression. And the shalom, the peace of God with Almighty God. This is what Paul said. He said, Colossians 1.27, Christ in us is the hope of glory. If you want different glory in your future, Paul says it's Christ in you is where you got to set your hope. Set your hope on Him who already faced what you're facing and overcame it. You're a new creation. You're now a person rooted in Christ and the root on the inside of you. Look to His life. Let His life begin to reframe your expectation and your hope. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your emotions, whether it's in friendships, whether it's regarding open doors. Let your hope be rooted in Christ. See, that is rooted hope. Rooted hope is hope that's rooted in Jesus as our righteousness rooted in Christ Jesus as our power and victory within us, Jesus as our right to whatever it is that you need from the Father. But some of you, listen, you got to stop cutting yourself down. You have to stop cutting yourself down if you're a follower of Jesus. Listen, because it's no longer just you. When you keep cutting yourself down, you're also cutting down He who now lives in you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.